One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. 11 to 1. This is LMFM's 11 to 1. Sinead Brazel with you. Good morning. Hope you're keeping well. You can get in touch with me about anything at all. 086 1800 658 on WhatsApp and text. Let's kick things off with Tiffany. Tiffany alone now on LMFM's 11 to 1. Sinead Brazel here with you this Wednesday morning. Uh, you know, I, I love that song. It's a great kind of, you know, 80s. Is it 80s or 90s? I love it anyway. It's my era, that song. Uh, you know, and I like the, the title. I think we're alone now. Uh, the whole thing, though, about being alone is, you know, not great sometimes, you know, particularly when we're in the spooky series, season even, coming up to Halloween. And last night, I, you know, normally I love having kind of the house to myself, that kind of thing. Like chill out, get the remote control to myself. Kids in bed, lovely. But last night... I didn't like it. I started to feel a little bit sort of eerie. What happened? Well, I did have the house to myself. So, you know, picture the scene, jammies on, candle lit, chilling out. And I said, right, it's Halloween. I'm going to stick on something, you know, to get me in the kind of Halloween mood. So, of course, I decided, right, well, I'm going to, I've seen this movie like loads of times. I'll be grand. I know what's happening in it. It's great. Love the film. Love the franchise. I'm going to watch it. And it was, of course, the iconic 1996 movie Scream this one are you trying to reach? what number is this what number are you trying to reach I don't know well I think you have the wrong number do I it happens take it easy <laughs> hello I'm sorry I guess I dialed the wrong number uh, well, so why'd you dial it again to apologize you're forgiven. Bye. This one, as you know, the conversation goes on. He tries to keep her on the phone. What's your favourite scary movie? All that. I love it. I know exactly what's going to happen in this film, right? So I watched it. Fine. Great. Lovely. But then, because I was on my own and I was doing the whole, the whole lock up the house thing. And you know when the house is sort of dimly lit and you're like, oh, I'll check the back door now, the screen door. That's grand. Yeah, that's grand. And then your mind goes into overdrive, doesn't it? And you say... What, what would I do now if I turned on the light, you know, the spotlight, the security light outside and I just saw like someone standing in the garden. What would I do? This stuff all started creeping into my mind last night. It was not good. So then, of course, I'm, you know, 
frantically turning on lights in the house and we're in the midst of an energy crisis this isn't good turning on lights all over the place my imagination went wild completely am I the only one that this happens to particularly you know when you're on your own or you know what else gets me not only when you're checking the doors and windows and all that kind of crack and you're, you're okay I'm safe now I'm upstairs it's grand then you start hearing stuff that's the other thing once you get into bed but even before that so say like you know you're doing your your, your bits and bobs in the bathroom, you're washing your teeth, all that. And you know that bit where you're like, right, I'm going to wash my face. And then you start thinking, what if there's someone like behind me as the suds are in my eyes? <laughs> that kind of stuff. This is what goes on in my mind, particularly in the run up to Halloween. You know, it's just the moral of this story is maybe don't watch a scary movie on your own when you've got an overactive imagination like me but it is the season for Halloween we will be talking spooky things on the show as well a little bit later on uh, including I do have a very cool hack as well for carving pumpkins which I've discovered on the internet it's going to make life so much easier uh, for pumpkin carving uh, so lots of that on the show to come but wondering am I the only one whose imagination goes into overdrive when you're watching a scary movie, particularly on your own in a house with lots of windows. Let me know if I'm not alone in this. 86 There's John Legend, all of me and LMFM's 11 to 1. I'm glad I'm not the only one whose imagination runs wild when they're home alone after watching a scary movie. That was me last night after watching Scream, which I've seen 5,000 times. I could quote the whole thing to you. And still, I, my imagination was running away with me. Selena says, Sinead, laughing at this, uh, this is why I never watch scary movies on my own. I definitely wouldn't be able to cope. Yeah. But you see, you know, Scream at this stage, you know, even though it is classic, it's iconic. It's kind of moved into the realm of parody as well, hasn't it? Like, I mean, I really shouldn't, you know, be anyway swayed by this. Um, I'm the same, says one message. I, I get the kids to walk into the room ahead of me to turn on the light. <laughs> in case anyone's in there, total imagination in overdrive. So you're like using the children, uh, you know, first putting them in front of you. Okay, priorities in check. Yes, but I have done that. You know, that frantic thing where you're trying to get to the light switch uh, before going into a dark room I have done that I have done that as well um, Sinead if I watch scary movies all the lights are on in bed afterwards much to the hubby's annoyance says another message as well yeah well this is it too isn't it you know when you're sitting there in the dark and it's pitch dark and you're after watching a scary movie 100% that is when the imagination will go into overdrive uh, yeah no more for me no more for me now uh, <laughs> the rest of this week uh, unless I'm you know not in the house on my own but then you see sometimes you see if you start saying that you're freaking out uh, about um, you know say being scared or things like that to my husband he'll suddenly start you know kind of acting up into this then and you know jumping out from places and things so you're better off not letting him know that I find anyway uh, I do have speaking of spooky things I do have a really cool hack for those of you carving pumpkins over the next little while I found this online today it's a pretty good one uh, so stay tuned for that that's coming your way 11 to 1 getting a text in on 086 1800 658 Sinead 
Why is the show always about you, says Paddy in the village. Uh, he does compliment the music. Paddy, well, you see, well, this is what happens, right? When you give somebody like a radio presenter a microphone, uh, radio presenters have big egos and they love making shows all about themselves, really. That's 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 what it is. Uh, now, if you are interested, it's not all about me today. Uh, we are going to be chatting, and I'm very excited about this. We're going to be chatting to Doug Allen. He is uh, the, a brilliantly talented wildlife cameraman uh, he has he's the best in the business he's an Emmy multi-Emmy multi-BAFTA winning um, wildlife cameraman and he's worked on things like the BBC series Blue Planet Planned Earth so many more uh, alongside David Attenborough and he is going to be touring around he's going to be coming to Dundalk to the Spirit Store and he's also going to be in the Garage uh, Theatre in Monaghan in the next little while we're going to be chatting to him and we're also going to be because again it's not all about me Paddy we are going to be chatting uh, about an adult only Lego cafe which is opening in Dublin today. That's all coming. But you know what? You know, it, I will, you know, say that it is going to be a little bit bad at me as well, Paddy, because, you know, we're very egotistical radio presenters. Anyway, you are enjoying, enjoying the music. So hopefully this will uh, help. Here's George Ezra. George Ezra, green, green grass. Now, I did promise my pumpkin hack for you. And this is fantastic because we're just kind of not used to the pumpkin carving in this country because it doesn't really originate here. But I did find this on the internet today. So we all kind of normally start by cutting the hole in the top of the pumpkin, circling around the stalk. No, flip it. Uh, they're saying there's a better spot to cut into. Uh, instead, carve an opening at the bottom of the pumpkin directly opposite where you thought you should be cutting. So just flip it around. Uh, by doing so, it is much easier to place the candle inside and then you don't have to kind of strain at an angle to light it, that kind of thing. Uh, they also say, uh, for an extra scented treat, sprinkle some cinnamon inside the pumpkin under the stalk. The heat from the candle will spread the scent throughout the house, smelling like freshly baked treats, which is lovely. So then after cutting the pumpkin open, before lighting the candle, uh, of course, there's the horrible job that we don't like. Okay, we need to have a hollow pumpkin. Uh, So your instinct, they say, might be to grab a manual scoop. Yeah, like a spoon or whatever. Uh, But no, the faster tool is in your kitchen. So grab a hand mixer, attach the whisks to it, place them inside and turn it on. The whisks will gather all the pump easily, pulp easily, which you can remove and set to the side. Genius. Now, the only thing is, maybe don't set it too high, too high of a power. It'll go, the pulp will go everywhere. Uh, that's very good, though, because uh, normally your hand would be in bits, kind of ca- scooping it out. Now, unless the kids are very keen on scooping out the gunk and you have lots of helpers, then lash away and draw out the kind of activity with them. Now, of course, the most striking thing about the pumpkin is the sinister face. And um, I'm not good at this. I always leave this to the more artistic people. Um However, there is kind of a way that you can do this. So they say use a marker to draw your preferred design, then cut along those lines with a knife to form the eyes and nose and a mouth. Alternatively, there's many uh, carving kit- kits. Uh, yeah, there are loads of them out there. So you can mimic this if you have your own scone or biscuit cutters ready. Uh, you can gently tap them uh, into the flesh, which is fantastic. And above all else, we're all about kind of preserving and uh, making sure that we're not wasting anything. So uh, they say a delicious source of food uh, and the guts that you removed earlier from the pumpkin uh, is very very useful they say so you can find lots of sweet and savoury recipes um, online uh, things like uh, pumpkin and cinnamon cookies which would be lovely roasted pumpkin pasta and then pumpkin pie as well so they're saying don't you know you know don't just throw all that gunk out. You know, keep it and make uh, some of these delicious dishes. So there you go. No cutting from the top, cut from the bottom. Uh, great way. And then get the whisk out and you can get rid of all that pulp if you want to do it very quickly. So there you go. There's my little hack for you today. 
There's Jeremy Kennedy with Lost on LMFM's 11 to 1. Thank you so much. <laughs> There's some lovely, lovely, lovely messages. Thank you so much on 0861800658. I do want to wish Nathan Reynolds, it's just popped in. Nathan Reynolds, he's in Finian's Park and Drada. A very happy 21st birthday from all of your family. 21 today. Nice one. There's going to be a party, I'm sure, at the weekend and around Halloween as well. That is a great time to have your birthday so you can have a nice fancy dress themed thing if that is your thing. Uh, but hopefully you're having a great day, Nathan, and uh, the family are all thinking about you today. Now, we know that it's a lot of fun playing and creating with Lego. It can be played, you know, just on our, by ourselves. Why not? Or with kids as well. Uh, well, now, for the first time ever, there's a Lego cafe, but it's only for adults. It's opening as an experiment in Dublin. I have to find out more about this. I'm going to be chatting to Margaret Gilson and she's Chief Strategy Officer for Boys and Girls. They're the creative agency behind all of this. We're going to chat to her after these. 11 to 1. Playing with Lego is great fun and not just for kids, it seems, because today sees the opening of the world's first experimental Lego brick cafe. It's an inspiration space, giving adults the opportunity to experience and play with Lego bricks. So it's unlike any place created to experience Lego creativity. It was launched during World World Mental Health Month and it's designed as a space where adults can experience all the mental health benefits that play can bring. And it's going to be open for two days. Joining me now to tell us more is Margaret Gilson and she's Chief Strategy Officer with the Dublin-based creative agency Boys and Girls and she's on the line. How are you getting on, Margaret? Hi, Sinead. Thanks for having me on. Now, this is fantastic. You're giving adults free reign to be kids again for two days with this cafe. Tell us more about the concept behind this. Well, it, it actually came about kind of through a series of information coincidences and I saw some creative problem solving. So as everyone would be aware, the rates of stress amongst Irish adults were rising rapidly. And there was actually an increasing body of research that, that is, it continues to come out that's showing the power of play on adults. It does lots. It, it helps us, our memories to uh, improve our memories. We increase our creativity and reduce our stress. But unfortunately, uh, as adults, we grow out of play. So yeah. um, we, uh, as fans of Lego here, knew that Lego was kind of a perfect brand that we might be able to use to encourage more adults to play. So we actually approached Lego and pitched the idea of a Lego brick cafe experiment because as you said what we needed to find was an adult space that wouldn't be perceived as a place for kids where we could bring together sort of the adult world of of uh, coffee and art exhibitions with the what was perceived as the more childish world of, of Lego. I love this idea because as you say kids would run in there they'd be loving yeah. that you know yeah. straight away and they'd have no kind of uh, inhibitions around it whereas as adults were like so much more conscious and like you say we have totally forgotten how to play we're on this kind of switched on all the time hustle That's culture right. so it's a great great idea uh, so tell us about Lego then specifically over other toys that might spark nostalgia Well I think we we, we felt that Everybody had either grown up and played with Lego themselves or if you had kids, your kids had Lego. So Lego had been around all of us and um, particularly because of the, the sort of creativity of playing with Lego, um, we knew that it was very likely to be a, a, a game or a toy that people would feel kind of comfortable um, and be interested in kind of re-engaging with. So that, that was why we chose Lego as, 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 the, uh, as the toy that would be, would be kind of most 
suitable and obviously Lego is a great brand so we were really interested and they're very interested in creativity and looking at that whole area of the effects of Lego play on adults and kids so it was sort of a perfect marriage. Yeah, it really is. And like there's there's benefits tenfold with regards to this. Like you say, like the main reason is to kind of reduce stress and kind of to calm down. But there's you guys are going to be running mindfulness workshops through the Lego as well. Yeah. So so what we're doing, so as you mentioned at the start, this is an experiment. So um, it'll run for two days and we have groups of people. So some people will come in and they'll just play with Lego. But actually over the course of the two days, we're running four um, guided mindfulness sessions with Erica Balfour, who's the um, director of the Mindfulness Teachers Association of Ireland and she will take people through a mindfulness session uh, using Lego as as, as the tool. So uh, the first one will be happening at lunchtime today. So, uh, oh, very good. Looking forward to that. Now, you know, when it comes to Lego, I'm kind of one of those people that just builds a big tower. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> you don't give me a Millennium Falcon or anything like that to make out <laughs> a Lego. That will send me into overdrive of stress modes. What sort of Lego player now would you be, Margaret? What kind of stuff have you made? Um, well, I've, I've, I'm the opposite to you. I love following instructions. So <laughs> I, I, I love the achievement. And actually, a really important thing for people is we don't make things that much anymore as adults. Yes. You know, a lot of people have, you know, they're in offices, they're, they're, they're doing kind of more conceptual work. So, Actually, the physical uh, making of something is really important and really good for our stress and, and sort of mental health well-being. So, again, I would I like there, there, there's great games, there's great kind of designs you can do around you can do uh, sort of illustrations, you can yeah. make pictures out of Lego. So, it's much different to perhaps the tower you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, we actually had we actually got it um, four artists. Lego has a project called Lego Dots. Oh yes, make pictures from. So we had four artists. So uh, Steve Simpson, Holly, Holly Pereira, uh, Anna Dorn and Jill and Jill, who some of your listeners might have heard of, and we just gave them the brief of play and they've wow. created fantastic pieces of art. I think they've used between three and 4,000 Lego dots. Oh, that's um, incredible. And, uh, yeah, so yeah, they're, they're, they're amazing. So uh, I think it, it, it's going to be really interesting. We've also been working with, um, uh, talking to a neuroscientist, um, he's an assistant professor, uh, Jeffrey Denon from UCD, and he's helping us to put in place the kind of experiment so that we can look at people's stress levels before and after they, they participate in, in the sessions. Yes. So hopefully when this is over, we will have um, really kind of uh, great results and help people, uh, I suppose, from a social point of view, yeah. lots of Lego at home yes. in, in boxes. So maybe, you know, it is time for the, the adults to, uh, to, to start to take out those Lego boxes and, and improve their own kind of mental health. Yeah, completely. And I'd be really interested to, to hear more about the, what the findings that they discover as yeah. well with this. Because, you know, we've, we've taken back up the likes of colouring. You know, there's a lot of kind of yeah. mindfulness colouring, that sort of stuff that's going on. And there's some beautiful colouring books that people can have. And it's a great kind of de-stress or stretch, switch the mind off. But like you say, we should be doing more of this, particularly with Lego and not just when our kids are around. It's for ourselves. It's for de-stressing. So you're very much hoping that people will come along uh, to the cafe. It's open for just two days isn't that right so open for just two days actually because like, because it, 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 it's such a popular concept we actually you, you, people have to book in so, okay uh, how do we do that stuff on, on Eventbrite yeah um, and it's a Lego Brick Cafe so you can you can uh, book in and there there's we're actually if, if people are coming there's a donation to Mental Health Ireland um, that, that they can make to, to take part but we obviously have all, all the Lego um, ready for ready for people but that's that's exactly it and as I said we're having it 
in it's taking part a place in Hen's Teeth, which is a, a cafe in Dublin, which we've converted into the Lego Brick Cafe. Um, and as you said, it's actually it's it's really important to kind of make it a, um, an adult sort of space and environment. Adult only space, we love it. I think it's a fantastic idea, Margaret. Really oh, interesting. Thanks, yeah, we're uh, very we're very we're very excited. Uh, we're very excited by it, and and it's great to have people like Erica Balfour and uh, Jeffrey Lennon kind of giving us. Um, help to to make sure that uh, we can really carry out this experiment uh, really effectively. Yes, I think it's going to be really interesting to see the findings yeah. of this. Thank you so much, Margaret, for joining me today to discuss this. Not at all. Delighted. Thanks very Thanks much. Thanks a million. Thanks so much. The Lego Brick Cafe. It's been trialled out, as uh, Margaret says there, at Hen's Teeth. It's at Black Pits Dublin 8 for two days. OK, so if you log on to eventbrite.ie there, you'll get all of the information on it. Just book in. So you just kind of register a book in and there's a small donation to mental health and you get to play with Lego on your own without children. Fantastic. Sign me up. 11 to 1. We're going back in time now and Alcatraz Penitentiary in focus today. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Senator Windows products will help you create a secure, comfortable, energy efficient home you're proud of. Call 0818 777 So on this day in 1972, Alcatraz reopened, but as a tourism site, it had closed in 1963 after serving 29 years as America's toughest prison designed as a maximum security prison for the most violent prisoners most likely to escape people like Al Capone George Machine Gun Kelly Alvin Carpus that kind of those kind of people uh, so then it was opened on this day 1972 for tours and today it's very Halloweeny day today is Howl at the Moon Day oh yeah the wolf has been a powerful symbol throughout all of mythology. Part-time monstrous, part-time noble. No other animal has been quite as controversial as the wolf. But one thing remains constant throughout. Wolves are regularly shown at Howling at the Moon. So they're saying Howl at the Moon Day is your opportunity to join them in celebration of the wild. Ow, ow, ow! LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Creating the perfect home is a journey. Let us guide you. Visit our Drogheda and Dundalk showrooms. Discover more at senatorwindows.ie. With rain, we've enough of it, thanks, on LMFM's 11 to 1. Now, News at 12 is approaching, but after that, I am very excited. I'm going to be chatting to one of the best well-known wildlife cameramen in the business. He is multi-Emmy, multi-BAFTA award-winning cameraman. His name is Doug Allen, and he's going to be bringing his show, It's a Wrap, to different uh, parts of the country. Um, Essentially, it's a retrospective on his career. He's worked with, uh, alongside David Attenborough, on numerous nature programs programs and uh, for National Geographic so many so we're going to chat to him about like you know how do you get the ideal shot of an animal how long does that take you know the best animals that he's photographed and, and filmed all of that we're going to ask him that's coming your way after 12 news 11 to 1 Adele kicking off our second hour rolling in the deep you are listening to LMFM's 11 to 1 Sinead Brazel here with you now, it must be very difficult uh, being, you know, in the public eye for celebrities and, you know, high profile people. But 
I always think it's even more difficult to reveal something about yourself that maybe people didn't know to raise awareness. We saw this with PJ Gallagher last week on The Late Late and now in the last little while Trisha Lewis Irish influencer Trisha Lewis you might know uh, Trisha as the beat the bulge as she's always uh, saying on Instagram she has documented her weight loss journey she's documented her experiences with mental health she's documented her experiences with food the ups and downs all of that and in the last while she's revealed that she has also had a secret battle with a gambling addiction over the years and I just, you know, was floored by the honesty that she um, really spoke out on on her Instagram platform. People will know her as Trisha's Transformation. She's a chef, obviously, as well. And uh, she gained uh, so many followers when she started to share her weight loss journey online. But um, recently, she says uh, she opened up uh, really for the first time about this, saying, "Um, probably a part of my life I never thought I would tell, but here it goes. Like everyone, I have a past and part of my past is that I'm addicted to gambling. Uh, She writes, even writing this, my head tells me, no, you just like cards and kind of lost money. She says, it's amazing the power of that inner voice. We've spoken about this on the show as well, that inner voice that tells you different things that aren't true. Uh, She says, the part of my life before Trista's transformation is in fact that I lost everything that I had in the casino time and time again. For all of my 20s, I played in the casino nearly seven nights of the week, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve. It didn't matter if it was open, I went. It was my safe place and the place I could self-destruct, a life that I didn't uh, really like, she says. Uh, She said the addiction was a slow burner, ended on a crescendo where I wanted to jump into the river outside the casino most weekends. And she says, writing that hurts my head, but it is the truth. Uh, The damage that it did on my mental health was terrifying. And it goes on this Instagram post and um, it's just, I just think like fair play to her to really, you know, put herself in such a vulnerable position like that. I mean, we know her as one thing and then to to reveal this about herself is really uh, so, so brave. There's so many people who are struggling with various forms of addiction and gambling addiction is such a big one as well, particularly now, you know, like it's so tempting isn't it to kind of do oh I'll just do a little game or I'll do a little flutter or I'll do a little and you don't think that it's causing any harm and then all of a sudden it's spiralling out of control with regards to it I remember as well speaking to Rory O'Connor about that and how like that it just started off as kind of a social thing and then he just kind of became hooked into it and it really kind of took a grip of him you know, of course, Trisha, thank God, um, you know, uh, really, uh, you know, she says actually lockdown, she says, finally stopped, uh, for me, finally stopped the card playing. And for that, I'm grateful. I started therapy in lockdown as I felt my head was beginning to get down again. And I went to see a therapist on gambling and binge eating. And as I said on this show before, therapy and going to speak to somebody about things like this is so important. You can't do it on your own. You really can't. But I just commend her for her honesty in that post and for sharing it. It must have been so, so nerve wracking because she's probably thinking, you know, I've built up all these followers. They're following me for me for this thing. What will will they judge me for this? And of course, there was an outpouring of, of love and support for her as there should be, because um, it's very difficult to admit something like that. And hopefully with Trisha speaking out, it might spark something with somebody that's going through the same similar thing or maybe recognises patterns of behaviour, that kind of thing. So another reason to really just uh, admire Trisha Lewis, fair play to her. Uh, you can see the full thing, by the way, if on, on her own Instagram at Trisha's Transformation. Now, let's see what else is happening in the world of celebrity. The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Hi, I'm Crossy. 
Fans of 90s movie Matilda will be sweating for Matilda the Musical, which will be released this December, just in time for Christmas. Matilda will be played by Alicia Weir, who's from Dublin. Emma Thompson plays Miss Trunchbull, and she got into a bit of slack earlier on this year when people saw that she had to wear a big bodysuit for the role. Emma's been talking about that bodysuit and how hard it's been putting it on every day. Three hours in makeup is what it was. <laughs> um, but it was fantastic because it was this extraordinary group of artists doing the prosthetics and painting me and um, and then there's a massive, very heavy costume. I mean, the physicality of it was so extraordinary. But actually, having to inhabit that costume made me able to be monstrous, you know, because she's sort of larger than life. She's this huge monster person. Louis Thoreau is back with a brand new series interviewing celebrities. First up is Stormzy, and he revealed during the week something quirky and very likeable about Stormzy. He's very into board games. It was one of the many things that I learned in my time with Stormzy. He's into a board game. He's also, did you know, heavily into Wordle and also its maths uh, sister game called Nerdle. Have you come across no. Nerdle? No. Which is ten times as hard. And for a while after we filmed our interview, uh, we kept in touch comparing our Wordle scores where I could sort of more or less keep pace with him and then our Nerdle scores. Yeah. And after a while I gave up because it was yeah. just damaging my self-esteem. That's The Buzz. I'm Crossy. The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. There you go. Stormzy, a Wordle fan. Oh, you learn something new every day. Getting back to the music now. Here's a classic from Huey Lewis on the news on LMFM is 11 to 1. Huey Lewis and the news, power of love. It's a labour of love, lining up the perfect shot to capture wild animals. And that is what our next guest is renowned for. He's the best known wildlife cameraman in the business. He's multi-award winning. We're going to chat to Doug Allen all about his career and his tour. He's going touring around Ireland with It's a Wrap. It's kind of a career retrospective and he's coming to the Spirit Store in Dundalk uh, next week. We're going to chat to Doug after these. 11 to 1. I'm always amazed by the great work of those behind the camera, particularly when it comes to documenting wild animals for nature programmes. And more often than not, my next guest is the man behind some of those incredible shots, like, you know, polar bears emerging from icy waters with a fish slapping between its jaws or of humpback whales moving through the ocean. He's been travelling all over, often to the most remote corners of the earth to document wildlife for over 35 years. He was principal cameraman on many prestigious award-winning programmes, filming for series like Hostile Planet, Force of Nature, Blue Planet, to name but a few. He's a multi-award winner at this stage, picking up eight Emmys, five BAFTAs and five widescreen Panda Awards for his work. And he's now touring with his show. It's called It's a Wrap. It details his life behind the camera and his unique perspective on climate change. He's going to be heading to Dundalk Spirit Store on November 4th. I'm very excited to be speaking to the brilliant wildlife photographer and filmmaker Doug Allen. He's on the line. How are you getting on, Doug? I'm doing very well. That was a wonderful introduction. Thank you. Oh, well, it's well deserved for a man of of your talent and calibre because, you know, I love watching nature programmes. They're fascinating to watch, not only because we learn so much, but because of the striking images of these creatures that we can never see in our day-to-day lives. I can definitely see the attraction to this line of work. But what led you into this? Because you were a diver, I think, first and foremost. 
Yeah, that's right. I basically, I just followed what I was really interested in. So I got into diving when I was at school, and that led me to uh, marine biology um, at university. Um, and then after I came out of university, I thought, you know, I want to go on expeditions. I want to keep on diving. I want to collect collect the information, and I'll leave it to the real scientists to sort it out. So then I did a few expeditions in the Red Sea, places like that, and then I got the chance to go to the Antarctic as a research diver working for the British Antarctic Survey. And I spent three winters in the Antarctic diving, and that was where I got into photography. Uh, still was photography at that point, but then the big chance, um, in 1981, I met David Attenborough, who was in the Antarctic um, with a very small film crew, and they came on our island, came to our research station for a couple of days to do some filming. And I helped them over those couple of days, and it was just quite simply, over those days, I just thought, what a fantastic job this camera person has. Um, you know, he's going, after the Antarctic, they were going to Galapagos, would you believe? Wow. So I thought, gosh, what a life. You know, working with people like David and the producer, they were such good fun to be with. So I asked them how the business worked, and they explained it was all freelance cameramen and things. So... Basically, when I came back to UK, I had another chance to go to the Antarctic, but to spend the winter with Emperor Penguins. And so I contacted the producer at the BBC. He asked me to get some shots of the Emperors through the winter. So I shot that for him. He gave me another shoot to do, and, and that was it. That set me off on my career. So that was way back. I met David in 1981, and I did the filming for the other producer, in 1984, and I've been pretty much filming since then. Wow. Okay, so this chance encounter with the great man himself, David Attenborough, is how you get, <laughs> you had quite a big break to actually have. Now, you know, I gave a rough description there of some of the amazing images that you, you see on the screen that you capture, but how on earth do you go about capturing these wild beasts? Because it must be down to a lot of patience and a lot of luck, is it? Well, it's certainly a lot of patience, but you know, when before I before I go off to film the animals, there's a lot of experienced uh, researchers who work for the program who look to find new ideas, they look to find the latest information about the animals, and then the producer will decide, okay, let's try and get this particular piece of behaviour, and so they put all the logistics into place. They find out. When's the best time to go? Where is the best place to go? What sort of support do you need? Do you need boats? Do you need extra assistance? Maybe there could be scientists who go with you. All that is looked into so that when you finally set off, you're really in a way like and like the astronaut, so to speak. You're the guy at the top of the rocket. You're the guy who's going to get all the fun <laughs> or who's actually going to be in the field looking for the animals, hopefully getting the pictures. But there's an awful lot of people who've done really good job to give you the best chance of being there to get it. So, yes, there is an element of luck, however, because the weather, the animals, they're not 100% reliable. Well, they don't want to be playing ball all the time with you, yeah. (laughs) Well, that's right, you know, and and sometimes, like, um, I did a filming, I did a shoot a few years ago when the, the killer whales were um, creating a wave with their tail to wash the seals off the ice floes. Well, I had been really, I had heard about that behaviour about 30 years before. And I kind of, you know, kept an eye on it and been looking out for it and seeing if there were any 
developments that would help me to, you know, to locate where it might be happening. And then finally, I got one chance with one series to go and try. And we saw some of the behavior, but not enough. And then a couple of years later, that Frozen Planet 1 came along. They wanted to do it again. And I had some suggestions as to how to improve our chances. And we went down and we hit, paid that. We hit gold on that particular shoot. So things like that, you know, seeing animals doing things that no one else has seen them do, that's just such a satisfying thing to do yourself. That's just great. Yeah, because I'd imagine, they, they, you know, I, talking to you, I'm struck by, I don't know if you've seen this movie, but it's The Secret Life of Walter Mitty and basically Ben Stiller's character is going round to chase an elusive cameraman like yourself, played by Sean mm-hmm. Ben. And uh, there's a scene where he basically says, oh, take the shot, like that's a great shot of this snow leopard or whatever. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, Sean Penn says, no, sometimes I just like to just be in the moment and not actually get the shot. <laughs> and I'm thinking that's probably not the case with the likes of well, No, no, I think if you if you brought that sort of story back to the producer, you would get some rather odd looks, I think. No, you've got to, you know, you've got to concentrate on what's happening and make sure you nail the sequence. But on the other hand, you know, you, you're in, often you're in such fantastic landscapes or you're spending time in the company with those wild animals. You're just given the chance to do things that, that other people just don't get those chances. So it's a wonderfully privileged position to be in. And and talk to me then about the money shot, like you're describing there, you know, when you get the money shot. How much time could you spend filming trying to get a money shot? Ah, well, you know, it's not unknown. When you, want, when you get involved with these big series, they're ambitious. They're looking to bring back things that haven't been seen before. So therefore, you have to accept that there may be times when you go out and you give your all, but the animal doesn't turn up, the weather's too bad. You might get nothing at all, in which case maybe you've got two years, maybe you've got a second backup season, so you might have to make a decision. Do we try again? Did we learn enough that we can maybe improve chances next year? But the fact is that a wildlife film, as it's being made, it's always a, a work in progress. You'll get some things better than you expected, some things not at all. And you need to be the sort of character that that accepts these, I was going to say disappointments, but they're yeah. not really disappointments, because when you're out there, you know, your job is really simple. You've just got to be there, and you've got to give it 100%. And sometimes success is not entirely up to you. It just depends on the animal. So you need that kind of tenacity. You need to be patient. But you also need to have a sort of tenaciousness. I I really want to get this image and I'm going to get out there when the weather is maybe not as good as it could be. Maybe it's a blizzard. Maybe it's not looking very promising. But every time you go out and spend time out in that environment, you learn a little bit more. You learn to read the light, to read the weather. You might watch the animal. It might be terrible filming conditions, but you will pick up something that when everything comes together, you'll get the job done better. You'll get better pictures than you would have done otherwise. So it's, 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 sometimes I, I'm talking to you now, but sometimes that's, that kind of, those things can be a bit hard to remember. Yes. You're here freezing I, and you haven't seen anything. Like, com- completely, I can understand that. And I'm sure it's hours and hours of, of moments for one minute that, that we yeah, can Absolutely. Well, yeah. Like this, that, yeah, there's a rule of thumb, roughly, that if you put someone like me out on location for eight days, 
I'll come back with a minute's worth of oh, television. Wow. That's so when you see those big series, there are hundreds of days of filming into simply one episode wow. and thousands of days of filming to make to make the overall series. So they're big logistics exercises. You know, the, the production manager and the production coordinators are really busy sorting out flights and hiring of, of guides and, and all the sort of logistics that goes on behind the scenes, so to speak. So it's a big team effort, and that's what I like about World Life Filming. It is a team effort, and yeah. when all the team are on the top of their game, that's when you end up with something that is somehow greater than the sum of the parts and something that makes for a memorable series. Yeah, completely. And and one of the things that you have noticed, uh, disp- you know, going back to different locations, maybe a- a- every couple of years is you've noticed and witnessed firsthand and have documented the serious impact of climate change. And this is part of the reason uh, that you're going to be touring around is to, to chat about this. Yeah, well, the climate change is happening and, and certainly in the polar regions in the Arctic and the Antarctic, uh, climate change it's happening faster and more extreme there than anywhere else. You know, the, the overall, the temperature of the world has increased by about just over a degree centigrade in the last couple of hundred years. Up at the poles, it's gone up by maybe four or five degrees centigrade. So there are big changes. I could take you back to a place where 20 years ago you, you had to climb over the glacier to get to the other side because the glacier ran right down into the sea. But now you go back there, you just wait until low water and you walk along the beach wow. because the glacier has receded so much behind. So, yeah, we see a lot, see a lot of changes. And um, I think it's important when I go out and talk to, to people, it's important to talk about those changes and to talk about what we could and should be doing differently to, to try to turn the tide on the climate change. And it's like that when you see it firsthand, like you, it must take your breath away to kind of see the difference, like you say, of that huge glacier and now it's not there anymore. Like that really, you know, it's it's when we hear things like that, that it kind of will jolt people into some sort of action. And this is part of the reason for the tour. Um, now the other thing I wanted to ask you is as well, you know, often we see such brutal acts of, of violence, you know, between animals depicted on these screens. And it is hard to watch. Uh, and I'm no doubt hard to film. Is it hard to not get in the way and sort of interfere? Because you have to sort of let nature do its thing, don't you? Well, that's exactly it. it um, you know, some animals kill other animals in order to survive themselves. And the most important thing when you're set out to film one of these predation events, hunting events, is that your presence as a camera person, you have to make sure that you being there doesn't somehow affect the outcome. It doesn't make it easier for the prey to escape or make it easier for the prey to be caught. Um, You know, animals deserve to live in different ways. And yes, it can be emotionally quite draining when when you watch a pod of killer whales take maybe two or three hours to separate a grey whale from its calf and then drive the mother away and then drown that, that calf. I mean, that is emotionally very draining and engaging to watch, but that would be happening whether you were there or not. Yeah. And basically it's your job you know, to bring back those images for the series and also to, you know, through that series, you'll get that increasing, increased awareness of the wonders of the natural world in the viewers. And so... You know, we need to separate ourselves, but that doesn't mean that, you know, the thing that makes me angriest and saddest is when you see animals 
suffering because of something that human beings have done. You know, when you see a, a seal or a whale tangled in a discarded fishing net, yeah. that's when you think, you know, that sort of thing shouldn't be happening. Or when you see animals and people suffering because of climate change, and we could and should be doing more about climate change, that's, you know, that's what makes you, that's what can make me angry and sad. Nature being nature, that's, you know, that's the wonders of nature. And I can take that in whatever form it shows me. But when nature is being changed by the activities of people, that's not, or that's, you know, and changed in a bad way, that's what makes me sad. Yeah, and, and, you know, and so often it's great when you do see those images on the nature programmes because it does kind of jolt to say to that sort of, you know, passiveness that we kind of have to the likes of these issues completely. And, you know, talking about kind of these brutal acts, have you ever been in real danger? You know, like filming bears and stuff like this. <laughs> have you ever had to kind of leg it out of a situation, Doug? <laughs> well, well, you don't want to let a polar bear get too close to you. You know, they, they, they quite often will come and look at you out of curiosity, but they do, you know, they are potentially capable of hunting and attacking and eating you, so you've always got to keep an eye on them. So there have been times when um, when I've had to draw a flare gun. You know, we don't, when, when bears come close, we've got these explosive flares we can fire off at them. So I've had to, to defend myself, I've had to fire off a few flares from them occasionally or I give them a, a squirt of pepper spray and to drive them away. But, you know, those are, those just make things exciting. And, and also in the water, for example, you know, you can meet a whale and the whale will be friendly for a while and interested in you, but then it might get a bit tired, it might want to relax and it might want you to, to back off. So they have ways of showing that their mood has changed and it's a good idea to, to move away. They'll turn tail, tail on towards you and start swishing their tail from side yes. to side in the water. And, you know, if you ignore those signs, then you're going to You're get in trouble. You're in trouble. Don't annoy tuned, them. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And, uh, and you know, then you back off, it's fine. It's you're normally fine at, at once once you do that, which is great. Now I know you have a, a real strong connection with whales uh, and 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 sea life particularly. Mm-hmm. But is there either like at this stage there has to be you have to have documented all of them. Is there any that has escaped your camera lens? Oh, there's always you know the beauty of working with things like polar bears or killer whales is that they're always you know they, they're such intelligent, creative animals that they're always there always could be some aspect of the behaviour, something that you see them do, which could be unexpected or, or put another piece in the jigsaw, so to speak. So I'm always happy to be out there, you know, with them. And, um, for example, in that um, BBC just came out with a series called Frozen Planet 2, which is uh, back up to the first one. And in that, they were using drones. Yes. And we have filmed the, we have filmed the cars making waves and washing me the seals off the ice floes. But if that seal happens to be on an ice floe which is surrounded by other ice floes, then it's much harder to make a wave because the other ice sort of damps down the wave. But um, what they showed from above with the drone was that when the seal is on a small enough ice floe, the killer whales actually put their nose against the ice floe and they just push the ice floe with the seal on it out into more open water and then they make the wave which washes the seal off. So, <laughs> so you know, for our cousin, every time you think you've seen 
the ultimate in intelligent behaviour. They come up with another little twist on it <laughs> that lets you show how much these animals can learn and adapt and why they are the top predators. Oh, totally. And uh, people are going to get so many more stories uh, in your tour. It's a wrap. I'm afraid it's a wrap for us at the moment, Doug. I would have been a chat to you all day. It's such an enormous pleasure having you on the show. I wish you continued success in your work. And thank you so, so much for joining me today. Well, thanks. It's been a pleasure. It'll be great to go to Dundalk and Mona. Thanks so much. You can catch Doug at the Spirit Store Dundalk. He's uh, there November 4th. He's also bringing his It's a Rap tour to the Garage Theatre in Monaghan on November 6th. All details and everything on this, you can find them dougallen.com. 11 to 1. Oh, Doug Allen, fascinating character. As I said, if you'd like to check him out in the Spirit Store November 9th and November 6th in the Garage Theatre in Monaghan, DougAllen.com for all the details on tickets. Now it's time for this. LMFM Job Search. With thanks to LMFM Online. Check out the latest Northeast news, sport and entertainment on lmfm.ie. Tresses and Talons, Betty's Town requires a senior stylist to join their multi-award winning team. To apply, you can email hazelboschel at hotmail.com. Bus Erin is hiring full and part-time drivers in the Drada and Dundalk areas. You can find out more about their competitive packages and apply today at careers.buserin.ie. Rainbows Community Services requires social care leaders and social workers for their children's residential services in Drogheda and Julianstown areas. For inquiries, you can email info at rainbows.ie. Navin Hire and Hardware requires an experienced mechanic and candidates with an interest in mechanics who want to learn. For details, you can apply to hr at nwh.ie. And Frameform Steel Systems Limited are recruiting staff for their technical and production departments at their facility in the Finnebar Business Park and Dock. For details, check out the job section on their website, frameform.com. And don't forget, all of the details of those jobs can be found on our local job section, lmfm.ie. LMFM Job Search. That is our lot on the show for today. Thank you so much for your company as always. I'm going to leave you with the bangles. Have a great day. Chat to you tomorrow. LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 087 660 40 237.